wonderful. Well, listen, this morning we are, uh, before we have our baptism service coming up at the end of the service, I just want to share with you a little bit about God's put on my heart where we have been. We're in week three of our series that we've been talking about, talking about making room in our lives for God to show us his identity. The, the series is called I'm Not Blank Enough. <laughs> I'm not blank enough. I'm, I'm not enough, right? Well, if there's one thing we hear in our culture a lot is that I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough, I'm not happy enough, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not wealthy enough, I'm not spiritual enough. You go for it, right? It just says everything. We hear that once, we hear it a million times, don't you? We hear it all the time. I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. Well, I believe with all my heart that God says just the opposite. That there's something about us that God's intending for us to see, which is who he says that we are. We spend a lot of time listening to what other people say and other voices say, but what would happen if we really understood what God said about us? I'm not enough. What if you were enough? What if God's plan for you was enough, but you just don't know it? Let's find out what God says. Will you join me as we pray? God, thanks for today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We love you. Help us today, God, to take one step more close, closer to you to find out who you say that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Pretty convinced if we knew who we were, then we would find out what we were capable of. If we knew who God said that we were, we would find out what we were capable of. You know, there's that picture of the baby elephant who, who needs to be staked into the ground so it won't pull away. And, and, and it's a story, I'm, I'm sure it's true, but they'll take a stake and they'll drive it into the ground and they'll attach a chain to the foot of a baby elephant and a baby elephant can't pull that stake out. So it will be tied to that stake and so it'll get used to being stuck to that stake and eventually that elephant will always come to that stake. Grown elephants, a full-grown elephant can be staked to the ground by that same little stake. The same elephant that could come up to a trunk of a tree and yank it up out of the ground by its roots will be held tight by a little stake in the ground with a chain. Why? Because it doesn't know what it's capable of. See, could you imagine if we knew what we were capable of? I'm I'm, I'm fearful that that we don't know what we're capable of, and as a result of that, we kind of walk around just taking any information we could possibly find. What did the Bible say about us? What does God say about you and me? It says in Ephesians chapter 2, you are God's masterpiece. He created you new in Christ so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Where is masterpiece? Where is masterpiece? It means we're not just some sort of an accident. There's an intention about what he created us to be. I can tell you all this stuff, and it could just bounce off your mind, but I'm telling you, if we understood what God says about us, do you realize that God actually created you to be you? That's deep. Write that down. Right? He created you to be you. But the funny thing is, is we hear the message of just the opposite, that somehow God created me this way, but he made a big mistake. Because I'm a mess, I can't, I can't, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. We go on, right? Because somehow God clearly forgot a few things in me when he made me. You know what I'm talking about? You get that idea. But what if God made you to be the best version of you, but you don't know what the best version of you looks like? What if he made you to be the best you you could possibly be? 
Some of us are kind of like, I don't want to be me. I'd rather be someone else, right? I'd rather be more spiritual like them or more happy like them or more healthy like them or more wealthy or whatever. We want to be something other than what God called us to be. Hmm. This friend of mine, Matt, Matt, you shared with me this last week about this, this Greek, uh, the, the Greek philosophy back in the day. That this word arete or arete what literally means this. It means that the Greeks understood this to be something being the best that it could possibly be. In other words, uh, a, a Greek god, let's say Zeus, would actually think to themselves that, that uh, this Greek god could be the best it could possibly be with this word arete. Uh, you know that phrase that we used to hear back on TV? Be all that you can be. Join the army, right? That idea. Be all. How many are like, I'm in the army, not so much. But I'm telling you, be all that you can be, right? That's what the word arete means. It literally means that you can be all that you can. You can be the best you you can be. Back in Jesus' day, they understood that to be true. That God's plan for us was to be the best you you were supposed to ever be. That was God's plan for you and for me. Someone say amen or something. You're like, I don't know, man. (laughs) Whatever, right? What if we actually believed what God created us to be was the best version of us that we're supposed to be? What would that do? You know, I always think it's amazing to me is why, if we understood, I'm telling you that you wouldn't understand what you're capable of, but if you knew you could. You know who really believes that more than you do? The enemy. The enemy believes that if you know who you are, oh my word, you'd be dangerous. You'd have peace, joy, you'd walk in fulfillment and contentment. You wouldn't be tempted by all the crazy stuff he tempts you with because if you knew who you were. See, devil's been throwing this stuff at us for a long time. I mentioned last week, the Garden of Eden, the very first sin, was a temptation given by the devil about their identity. When he looked at Adam and Eve and he said, you know what, you're not enough. In fact, you know how to be enough? You need to be like God. And so what happened was, is they were told that they weren't enough, and so they swallowed the thing and they decided to go eat the apple so that they could be enough. We've been listening to the same lies ever since. We're not enough. What if we could be what God created us to be? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Last week I mentioned to you that in order for us to be what God created us to be, in order for us to be the best version of what God created us to be, the very first thing that needed to happen was is that we needed to want to be different. We needed to want to want to be different. In other words, no change in your life ever happens until you want to change, correct? Nothing ever changes until you want to change. You don't, you don't watch what you eat unless you want to. You don't pray longer unless you want to. You don't do anything you don't want to do unless you don't want to do. That, that's called free will. God gave us a free will. And the problem is, is that this free will, he get, we're, we, sometimes we pray to God and we're like, God, take away my free will <laughs> and just make me better. You, you realize for God to take away your free will would be for him to remove love because love demands free will. The true definition of love is that there is free will to choose not to love. See, in God's great love for you, he said, I'll give you the choice. Do you want to know who you are? Do you want to grow up and who I've created you to be? If you want to, then let me know. Wrapped in that whole want to is this understood philosophy of of humility. In other words, for you to choose that you want to, you have to choose where you are isn't good enough. And if you want to be what God's created you to be, then we'll do that. Colossians. The book of Colossians was written at a time where Paul was in a Roman prison cell. He writes this letter to the Colossian people 
to be encouraging, to tell them what God's will for their life is, to tell them how much God loves them, to tell them how much God is for them, to show them what God's identity was for them. Paul writes Colossians in this crazy, encouraging word to the church of Colossae, from prison. Wait a minute, let me say that again. He writes from prison. Paul writes about the freedoms they have from prison. How in the world is that possible for someone to write something from prison? How is it possible for Paul? Could you imagine, I get this, Paul, literally the greatest evangelist that ever lived. Paul, the greatest preacher that ever lived. If you were God, would you put him in prison? If you wanted to reach the planet, wouldn't you put him out on a pedestal somewhere to start preaching, brother? Instead, God stuffs him in a prison cell. You almost feel like God forgot him. It's almost as if Paul could have said, God, what were you thinking? I thought you made me this way. How could you stick me in a prison cell to be completely useless? Amazing to me is that while Paul was in there, he wrote four other books of the Bible. (laughs) Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. He wrote them all from that prison. Why did God put him into jail, my opinion? So he'd sit still long enough to write. (laughs) God knows what he's doing. See, the thing is, is some of you might feel like you're in a prison. Some of you feel like you, that God forgot where you are. Some of you feel like God locked you up somewhere and you can't get out. Some of you feel like God just doesn't care and he threw away the key and he said, you know what, suck it up, buttercup. And you're there, right? It's as if God just didn't care about you. The truth is, God knows exactly what he's doing with you. See, when you know who you are, your circumstances won't affect you. Let me say that again. When you know who you are, it's your circumstances won't define who you are. Paul could have sat there and just said, God, how could you? Instead, Paul said, because I'm here, I will. When you know who you are, your circumstances could fall apart, and you still are who you are and believe that God put you where you are because you know who God is and who you are. Maybe the reason we struggle so much is because we don't know who we are. And so our circumstances begin to identify us at every level. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, And now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. Let your roots go down deep into him and draw up nourishment from him so that you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth that you were taught. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. Don't let anyone lead you astray with empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and evil powers of this world and, and not from Christ. For you are, for in Christ the fullness of God lives in human body. And you are complete through your union with Christ. For he is the Lord over every ruler and authority in the universe. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. It was a spiritual procedure. A cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised him from the dead. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this, you are complete in Christ. You are complete in your union with Christ. For he is the Lord over every authority in the universe. You are complete. You are complete. No, no, I'm telling you. The the word complete in the Greek literally means lacking nothing. You're not in the process of becoming complete. The Bible says about you that you are complete. You don't believe me, do you? 
You're complete. The Bible says you're complete. The Bible says you lack nothing. In fact, it actually says um, you are, uh, the, the words actually there could be perfect. Wait, wait. You are complete. You, you not, not perfect like God perfect, but I'm talking about you are righteous. That's what it means, that you are complete. Amen, let's go home. What does that mean? How can it be complete if I still sin? How can it be complete if I still have this crazy battle with my sinful nature? A lot of thought bubbles going on tonight. I can see it all, right? How can you be complete when the Bible says that you still sin and you know that you still sin? What does it mean for you to be complete in Christ? Hmm. I'm glad you asked. Some of us feel incomplete, don't we? We feel incomplete relationally, spiritually. We feel incomplete emotionally. We feel incomplete with everything around us. We just feel like we're not enough. We feel like we're absolutely incomplete. But the Bible here says that we are complete. I'm just trying to tell you this, that the enemy does everything he possibly can to communicate to you that you're incomplete. That's where you're having such a hard time believing this. is because you know, who, you know what you're capable of. You know you're capable of all kinds of sin. The problem is, is you don't know what you're capable of when you know who you are in Christ. You don't know what God has set apart for you to walk in and the fullness of the freedom that he has intended for you to walk in. You are complete. Let let me explain it this way. Okay, Jesus healed people in the New Testament. Amen? Okay, let me just go back. Let Let me show you the kind of work that Jesus does. See, when Jesus completes something, he absolutely does it completely. When Jesus healed people, you know what he did? He healed them completely. Let me just show you. Let me just go with Matthew. I can't read all the miracles Jesus did, but let me read a couple of them. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 22, it says this. Jesus turned around and said to her, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. Translation, your faith has made you whole. And the woman was healed at that moment. Matthew 12, 13. Then Jesus said to the man, reach out your hand. The man reached out his hand, and it became normal or whole, just like the other one. Matthew 15, 28, woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed or made whole. Matthew 15, 31, the crowd was amazed. Those who, had been, those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well or made whole. The lame were walking around and those who had been blind could now see and they praised the God of Israel. They were made whole. See, somehow we can believe that Jesus made people whole physically, right? I mean, he didn't just like heal the blind man's one eye. He didn't just heal the uh, lame man's one leg. He didn't heal the deaf person's one ear. Jesus made them whole, and we all say, amen. How come we can believe that Jesus can make someone whole physically, but we can't believe that Jesus can make someone whole spiritually? How come we can't believe that he can't make you whole spiritually? See, the problem isn't that you're not made whole. Do you realize that you can't go to heaven unless you're made whole? You Listen to this. The truth is, he can make you whole. Then if you're whole, then why do you feel so incomplete? Why do we continue to blow up and sin? Why do we live incomplete, number one? Why do we live so incomplete? Listen to this. We live incomplete because we don't know who we are for one, but here's the deal. We live incomplete because we keep listening to the wrong voices. 
We live incomplete because we keep listening to the wrong voices. Now, back in the day, Paul, when he was talking to these people, he says, don't be pulled away by the empty philosophies. What does it say here? It says, don't be, uh, don't be led astray by the empty philosophy and the high-sounding nonsense. Aren't you glad that there aren't empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense today? Aren't you glad that we're not susceptible to empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense See, Paul was actually talking to people because they were actually worshiping angels and false gods. And he said, stop doing that, right? And, and we would look at them and go, I'd never do that. Yeah, don't do that. Empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Guys, it's exactly what we listen to. Paul says, don't be led astray by the voices. What voices? You know the voices. The I'm not enough voices that you watch on TV. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not healthy enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I'm, the, the, the voices you hear when you're at church, I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not committed enough. I'm not serving enough. I'm not giving enough. You know, all the voices you hear from your past, you'll never be enough. You'll always be a mistake. We listen to those voices all the time, and they're so familiar, we just keep on listening to them and keep on saying them, and there will always be a train wreck. Paul says, stop listening to the voices. Stop listening to the nonsense. You might realize this. You can't, you can't help what it is that you hear, but you can help what it is that you choose to listen to. So you can't help what you hear, but you can choose what you listen to. You can choose what you listen to, but you can't choose what you hear. You might just be in the midst of something and hear it, but the truth is, do you need to take it? See, that's the beauty of this thing called free will. You get to choose what you choose to listen to. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's no weapon formed against me that will prosper. All that stuff, those are three passages of scripture. They're yours. But the problem is, is we just think, nah, Lance, those are for you or you or you. They're for you. There's no weapon formed against you that will prosper. Why? Because you're made complete in Christ. Why? Because he said so. And see, the problem is, is that we won't believe that for some crazy reason. You know why most of the time? is because we keep listening to the wrong voices. The voices that, you know the voices I'm talking about, right? The ones that you've been listening to since you looked at the mirror this morning. The I'm not a whatever enough. Or maybe you looked at your bank account, or maybe you looked at something else and you think you're just not. The problem is, is we continue to listen to the voices and swallow hook, line, and sinker everything they say. But why doesn't the devil change his tact on us? Because what he's doing keeps working. Hmm. We need to stop listening to the voices. Number two, how do we, why do we live so incomplete? Number two, we keep feeding our flesh. We just keep feeding our flesh. Here's a, here's a real deep thing. I've told you this before, but you need to write this down. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. That's deep. What you feed grows and what you starve dies, right? When you feed truth in your life, it grows. When you, when you feed the right things in your life, it, it lives. But when you kill it, you starve it, it dies. When it, you start to feed it, how do you feed it? Well, you continue to think it, you continue to believe it, and it continues to grow. But when you starve it and you say, I'm not going to do that. See, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. Hmm. Listen to this. Second Colossians chapter 2 says this, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. It was a spiritual procedure, a cutting away of your sinful nature. A cutting away of your sinful nature. 
I get this. The Bible says there, your sinful nature was cut away. I'm just reading your Bible. Your sinful nature was cut away. Some of you are like, wait a minute. It's not cut away because I still sin. I still keep wanting to sin. I still keep living to sin. I still keep feeling like I need to sin. How could my sinful nature be cut away? Because the Bible says you are complete in Christ. How, how is that, right? Let me help you with this, all right? This isn't rocket science, but I want to help you understand something that we've misunderstood for a long time. We are three parts of us, body, soul, and spirit, right? Right here. Here's what most of us think. Most of us think we are a body that happens to have a spirit and a soul. Let me help you with this. That's not the way that it is. The way that it is is this. You are spirit that happens to have a soul that lives in a dirt body. Amen. You're a spirit. You're the, you're the, you're a spirit, right? It happens to have a soul. What's your soul? The soul basically is everything from the neck up, right? Your soul. That's the thinker of you. That's the, the, the thinking, thoughty part of you, right? Thoughty, write that down, right? It's the, it's the part of you, right? You are spirit that happens to have a soul that lives in a dirt body. Dirt body. Why do I say that? Because it was a dirt body. It's going to decay. Wait a minute. So maybe it's the spirit part of me that's made complete. Because it's the spirit part of me that's actually going to heaven. Wait. So maybe it's the spirit part of me that had its sin nature crucified. So wait, the spirit part of me, the me that I am, me, it's been crucified. That part of me has been killed, and I'm complete in Christ in my spirit. And so the spirit in me gets to go to heaven. Amen, amen. But it's that flesh part of you keeps on dragging you down. It keeps on pulling you down. It keeps on saying, I don't have this enough. I need more of this. I'll never be satisfied. I want to look at that. I want to hang on to that. I want to taste this. I want to touch that. It's the flesh part of you that's insatiably passionate about making itself feel alive. That's, the part, that's our big problem with your identity. It's not your spirit. It's your flesh. So kill it. Right. What you feed grows, what you starve dies. I love what the Bible says. The Bible says, listen to what it says. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. It says, but, this is, but now it's time to get rid of anger, Rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Amen. Don't lie to each other, for, it, for, for you have stripped off your old nature and all of its wicked deeds. In its place, get this, you have clothed yourself with a brand new nature, continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ. Listen to this, Romans chapter 13. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So don't live in darkness any longer. Get rid of your evil deeds. Shed them like dirty clothes. In fact, clothe yourself with armor of right living as those who live in the light. I love this. How do we put our flesh to death? The deeds of our flesh to death. How do we put the deeds and the activity of our flesh to death? It says stop doing all these crazy things for sure. But you know, it's hard to do that, right? So if I tell you to stay, stop thinking about a pink elephant, right? You can't not do that, right? You're going to hear about that. I love what Bible, the Bible says right here. Paul says, listen, rid yourself of that stuff, but clothe yourself with this stuff. Here's how you put to death the deeds of the flesh. You clothe yourself with rightness. You put on rightness. You, you, 
You feed righteousness. You go to the drawer and you pull it out and you put on things that are right. You put on the shirt that says, I'm something. You put on the pants that says, God says, I'm this. You put on the, the, the underwear that says, you're going to make it, right? I mean, you put on the thing. You clothe yourself. You gotta choose to do that. See, that's the crazy thing about your flesh is that you don't have to. You continue letting, letting it live and die, live and do its thing. We can do that or we can clothe ourselves. Here's the great thing about today. You all clothe yourself all by yourself today. Amen. Some of you did better than others, but you did good, right? So you clothed yourself. We can clothe ourselves, right? You need to clothe yourself. You need to clothe yourself in righteousness. Why? Because the devil's doing his best to clothe you his way. And we keep on putting it on. Why? Because it fits so comfortably. You'll never be enough. You'll always be a failure. Your your marriage is never going to make it. Your children are such a mess. If you only were a better parent, if you only were a better wife, all that goes on and on and on. That's what we clothe ourselves with, right? We listen to the voices and we put it on. The Bible says to rid yourself of that and to put on righteousness. I know who I am in Christ because he says who I am and we are complete in him. And finally, number three, why do we live so incomplete? Number three, Colossians chapter two says this, for you, it says this, sometimes we live so incomplete because we lose sight of our salvation. We lose sight of what God says about our salvation. Colossians chapter two twelve, it says, you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. We live incomplete because we lose sight of our salvation. Some of us live incomplete because we forget that we're Christians. We get so inundated with what it is that we're told we're not that we actually forget that we're saved. And so we just think, you know what, why bother? You know what, I've made such mistakes, I'm such a failure, I'm such a mess, why bother? It's too far from me now. Let me tell you something about the grace and the forgiveness of God. It's more than you can ever imagine. You know why? You know why I know God's love and grace is so big? You know why? Because he sent you here to hear this. He brought you here at church today. You thought it was for a baptism service. He brought you here to say, stop it. You were saved a long time ago. Believe it. Walk in it. Some of you think I just blew it too bad. I guess I'm just a mess. That's the way it's going to be. Let me tell you this. The Bible says here, it says, you are baptized into Christ. Now, now here in the Bible, it's not talking about water baptism. It's talking, the word baptized, we've talked about this before, it means to be submersed into, right? Cookies and milk, submersed into. You dip it in, right? The whole idea, it gets completely submerged. When you're a Christian, when you become a Christian, you submerge yourself completely into Christ. You get baptized into Jesus. So what is water baptism? A water baptism, that's just an outward example of that inward decision. Water baptism is just the thing you decided on the outside so that everyone else knows you what you did on the inside. Now, today, we're going to do baptism service. What does that mean? There's a couple of people today who are like, you know what, I, I need to be baptized. I want everyone to know on the outside that I'm different on the inside. There's people, today, there's people here today who have never been baptized and you want to be baptized. And you're like, I didn't bring shorts and I realized I need that, whatever. We got stuff for you. And there's people here today who were baptized, well, a while ago. But you forgot your salvation. Listen, you didn't lose it. You just forgot it. 
You've been walking opposed to it. You didn't, you didn't lose it. You forgot it. In other words, you just simply said, you know what? I guess I'm not enough. See, I got a funny feeling today God sent you here to remind you of who it is that you are. To stop listening to the voices. To stop feeding those fleshy things. And to remember your salvation. And you're here this morning. I got a funny feeling that somebody here this morning is going to remember that they're saved. But you want, listen, you want every demon in hell to realize that you really are saved. And today you might get rebaptized. You might decide, I want to get rebaptized. Well, what's that going to solve? What's that going to solve to get rebaptized? What's the worst that could happen? You just get wet. What's the best that could happen? You and everyone around you knows that you've made a decision to continue to walk with Christ and to live with Him for the rest of your life. Amen. You are complete. Listen to this. I, I handed you all out a little, a little acorn, right? You got this little acorn sitting there? Did most of you got them? Did you all get them? Hopefully you did. A little acorn, it's plastic, it's not really real, right? But let's just pretend it's real, right? Don't tell it because it'll get hurt feelings, right? It's real. This is a real acorn. Now, here's the crazy thing. Uh, listen to this acorn story. It's kind of funny. This acorn right here, do you realize that this acorn, get this, this acorn is complete, well, you know, it's absolutely complete. You know what it, you know what this acorn will end up being one day or has the potential of end up being one day? A mighty oak tree. Big oak tree with big leaves and big branches and big bark and big oak tree, right? Right here. Now here's the thing. Because I don't want to hurt its feelings, let, let's be quiet about this. this. This little acorn, it doesn't realize that it's not an oak tree. It thinks it's an oak tree. You know why? Because it's supposed to be everything it's supposed to be and it believes it's all that it can possibly be. You know, the only job of this oak tree is not to grow big. The only job of this acorn is to just grow roots rooted in Christ because it is complete. It is irrite. It is like you. You are complete. Your job isn't to make yourself anything greater than just grow roots into Christ. And as you grow closer to Christ, you clothe yourself with righteousness and you find out who it is that God says that you are. Why do I give you this little acorn? Because this little acorn doesn't need anything. It doesn't need anything. It just needs to grow roots. You don't need anything else but Jesus to grow roots into him because you are complete in Christ. Amen? Let's do some baptism. Let's do some. Come on. If you're going to be baptized, come on up here. Now listen, we we were going to have our cameras for some reason. We weren't able to, because our system's not like we wanted it. We wanted to have cameras over there so you all can see it over there really well, but because we because we need to upgrade our system. You know, um, unfortunately, you could stand up and walk over this way and watch them, or you can sit right there, but we want to have you all be a part of what's watching. We're going to have our kids come in here and be a part of that. So if you'd like to come over and see, come on. Kids, come on in. You know what? This is really a special family time. This is one of the last things that Jesus said. I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all peoples. And this is what you need to do is teach them to obey everything I've taught you and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
And so Jesus was our model, and Jesus commanded this as followers of Jesus. So you're going to see it right up here. And these people are saying, I have put my faith and trust in Jesus, and I'm going to go for it. So we are really excited about this time. And Hannah, come on up. Everyone, this is Hannah. And we are so glad that you are here. Come on down. So kids, this is Hannah, and she loves Jesus. And one of these days, you might be taking this step of faith in Jesus. Come on, stand up over here. Come up around here. You got to come and see, man. You got to see this thing. You guys look pretty on that thing, but come up and look. Some of you need to come down around the front. And family and friends, if you want to come over, take pictures, you know what? This is... This is an important thing that Jesus wanted us to do. Can you, do you mind just stepping down? Because some of the people on the far side can't. Just back a little bit. Sorry. Overshot the runway a little on that. Yeah. Boy, we are so glad that you're here. Tell us why you're here this morning and want to be baptized. I grew up here in this church um, as a kid with my parents. My dad went somewhere. Oh, right here. And my mom. And um, I always thought it was really cool to be baptized. And as I was a kid, I was actually a little too scared to go under the water. But growing up, um, I'm almost 23, and life has been a journey. And I'm at a point where I'm ready to let go. I'm ready to let God come into my life and let go of this illusion of control that I have. And I'm ready to do this. All right. Um, that's awesome. known you for a long time. It's kind of like your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom and dad are special to me. I, I've oh. known you well. I, I think I knew you when you were like a teeny baby. Yeah. So, that was the first thing you said to me when I came back here. There you go. It's pretty awesome. It's fun to see what God's done in you as a young woman. So can we pray for you? Yeah. you. Dana and Christian, where are you guys at? Why don't you guys come on up here? Can you? There you are. Can somebody hold that camera for her so we can lay hands on her? Can you do that, Steve? There we go. Go ahead and have a seat. Awesome. Is that right? Can we pray? Yeah. You ready, Dad? Jesus, thank you so much for this young woman. God, this young woman who is doing more than some act of religious activity, God, but Hannah's making a decision, Jesus, to listen to your voice and to walk out in her own faith. I'm so amazed at all the people she tells about you over and over again. The world's being changed because of Hannah Morrison. God, would you bless her today? Father, we baptize her today because she wants to walk this out in obedience for every person in heaven and hell, God, that any demon in hell that could look at her and say, I know who this woman says that she are, and she knows who she is. So bless her today, God, in Jesus' name. And upon your confession of faith that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, it's my honor to baptize you. All right. Next we have Alexia. Come on up, Alexia. All right. We are so glad that you are here. All right. 
So, Alexia, how old are you? Uh, eight. And why do you want to be baptized today? Because I want to dedicate my life to God and wash away all my sins. All right, wow. We are so glad that you're here, and Mom and Dad are right here with you, making the statement to follow Jesus. Alexia, I'm so glad. I loved watching you grow and seeing what God has done in your life so far. It's been fun to watch you when you guys come to Life Group and hang out with us. Yeah? It's fun when you listen to me and you laugh at my jokes. You don't laugh at my jokes. Can we baptize you? Is that all right? I'm going to have a seat. Alexia, upon your confession of faith that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, it's my honor to baptize you. In Jesus' name. Next, we got Michael. Mom and Dad, come on up. There we go, Michael. It's nice and hot. Let's turn this way here. Well, Michael, hi. Why are you here today? I want to be baptized because I've so I can um, try to calm my anger because I've been really mad at Jesus for because of some things that he's done to my family members. That's really honest. And you know, Jesus is big, huh? And he forgives us. And he gives us a new start, huh? And helps us. Wow. We're really glad that you're here. And mom and dad are right here with you too. Can we pray for you, Michael? Is that all right? Jesus, thank you so much for Michael. God, we just pray for peace. Lord, we, pay, we, we pray, God, for healing. We pray for restoration. Lord, in the things that are painful in his heart, we just pray that you would remove those things. And God, I pray that you would help him to run to you. Lord, where he's weary and carry heavy, heavy burdens, just be with him, God. Thank you so much for his mom and dad who love him like crazy. Thanks for the healing you're bringing to his family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Michael, upon your confession of faith that Jesus is your Lord, it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 